Okay, guys, we are weird version, weird version of who's your band. Sean, how are you holding up during this? I like this version because I don't have to sit next to you. Oh, come on. You miss it next to me. Yeah, but here's the thing. When I sit next to you, I have to wear pants. If you're not wearing pants right now, I don't need that image in my head. Well, get it in there because it's happening right now. God. Well, I'm shirtless. Uh, no, you're actually not because we have a video and we can watch you. Even being in a room by myself, I wouldn't be shirtless. <laughs> yeah, there's no need for that. It's too repulsive these days. It really is. I, I actually, you know, because I've been home for like two months now and I actually cleaned my bathrooms about three or four weeks ago and I didn't wear a shirt. And it was one of those really horrible things where I realized my fat man tits <laughs> were hanging over the edge of the tub while I'm scrubbing it. I was like, you know what? There was something said for the man's ear on Seinfeld. It really was. Well, I like to call it the bro. The bro? You're a bro guy? Bro, you call it the man's ear. I call it the bro. There we go. What we're going to talk about today? We are talking about the best debut albums of all time. And right. you wanted to do five. And I'm looking at my list here, and I got about 15. You know what? It's so funny that you said that. Because we th I thought the guitar player that we did a couple of weeks ago was a difficult one. This one was impossible. I also have more than, than five as well. Give me your first one. All right. Uh, do it. Interesting thing while, while doing this. Is no order. There's no order to this. No yet. order. But, I, but what I did find was probably the most prolific year of debut albums was 1978. I mean, there are three major, major albums that come out. That so I'm going to tell you one that you picked right now from 1978. Go ahead. Van Halen 1. How can you not? Right. You see what the fucking album is? It's amazing. Now I'm scratching it off my list. Yeah. I mean, let's start with that one. I mean, look at look at side one. Side one is opens, opens. The first time you're hearing Van Halen, it opens with Running With The Devil. Then goes into Eruption, You Really Got Me, Ain't Talking About Love. That's side one. And then you think, wow, what a great side one. Look at fucking side two. Uh, Jamie's Crying, Atomic Punk, uh, 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 feel you tonight, and probably my favorite one, of my favorite songs by Van Halen, "Little Dreamer," and no song over three minutes and fifty seconds. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's great. And the thing is, when they recorded that album, I remember hearing the stories about it. And this is what bands used to do: they would go into the studio and play the album like it was their live show, and that's right. how they recorded that album. I love, I, I love when songs are under four minutes long because, you know, I like to get more songs in. There's only time you can ever have a, a never too long of a song. There was a, a strip club that's still open. It's called Hot 22 in Union, New Jersey. And what they would do is if you had a bachelor party, you, would, uh, you could buy a treatment for your friend who was the bachelor. And what they do is they give you three songs and you bring the bachelor on stage and they like take his belt off and they whip him with it. And you know, they just do all horrific stuff to it. So for my friend's bachelor party, he goes, look, here's my three songs. Rhyme the Ancient Mariner by Iron Maiden, 12 <laughs> minutes long. Inagata DeVita, 11 minutes long. You know, you know what, throw in Change of Seasons by Dream Theater, which is 26 <laughs> minutes long as well. We got into the first one. They're all looking at us like, what are these people doing? And we're like, just wrap it up after the first one. Did you ever uh, come with us when we used to do the open mics at Black Betty's in the basement? No, no. I know where it is, but I never did the, the open mics there. 
that was Bridgestone and John Kersher and those guys. Yeah. yeah. One of these days we got We got to do a show down there. We had, we used to have a lot of fun. Um, all right, so now go, what was your uh, what was your band? Well, my first one, I, I mean, obviously, you know, my first one is, is is Appetite for Destruction. That's why I didn't put it on my list. Yeah, it's Appetite for Destruction. Uh, in my opinion, not just because they're my favorite band. I mean, I still think it's the most um, in-your-face debut album ever. Uh, because you have three of the greatest rock songs of all time with uh, Welcome to the Jungle, Sweet Child of Mine, and Paradise City all on there. But even like the throwaway songs, if you think about it, not even they're not even throwaways. I mean, they're still playing live. They're doing It's So Easy, Night Train, uh, Out to Get Me, Mr. Brownstone, uh, Rocket Queen. I like uh, it took you four songs to get to my favorite song on that album. What's your favorite song on that album? Rocket Queen. See, I, I had this debate with another friend of mine, how it's not even my favorite on side two. It's just, it was never my favorite song of theirs, and I always kind of skipped past it, and I never really appreciated the song until I saw them do it live. And then when I saw them do it live, it was I think that's a, I'm sorry. I think that's a testament to how strong the album is. Oh, it really is. It's, it, it really is just, in my opinion, the greatest debut album of all time. But... Listen, we got a lot on this list, so you better. What's your next one? Right, this one I didn't think you saw. You're going to see coming. Um, and again, no particular order, but I'm going to go Outlandos Devois by the Police. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't put it on there. Um, I'm not a huge Police fan. Like I start with Synchronicity, but uh, oh man, they're, they're already they're already in their heyday when they get into Synchronicity. Now think about the, this. This is their debut album, and this is also 78, and it's a blend of rock, reggae, but they come off as kind of like punky. It's your introduction to Sting, and you've got like the, the classics, uh, uh, Roxanne, uh, Next to You, Can't Stand Losing You, and my favorite song off the album, Soul Only. Hmm. That is, you know, these, a lot of bands have such great, great albums two and three albums in. When, when you have something like that, like I never knew Roxanne was on their debut album. Yeah. I never knew that. That's why it's like, I love Baden, but it's not, their first album isn't their best one. This is one of their best albums. Yeah. I like, um, actually I kind of like this better than Synchronicity. All right. My next, next one that two. I'm putting on is, uh, to me, it's a groundbreaking album. It's groundbreaking. Uh, Beastie Boys, Licensed to Ill. Oh, that's a great album. But here's the thing. That, that's not their first album. Official album, yeah. Yeah, because remember before that, they had uh, an album with the, with, and they had kind of a minor hit on it called She's On It. Yeah, I remember. That's a great song, too. It is. But uh, I, I love the way they really incorporated uh, and incorporated rap and has a lot of rock into it, too. So if you just listen to Fight for Right to Party and No Sleep to Brooklyn, it's Kerry King from Slayer playing the guitar. That's in those right. Songs. That's right. You know, um, Anytime you went into a bar in the eight into the nineties or two thousands, you heard Brass Monkey or you heard Girls. You know, they're just great. They're just great fun party. It's a great fun party anthem album. It's a great they're album. Absolutely, that that is that that's a monster album. Yeah, your turn. All right, number three for me. I'm still sticking with seventy eight. And again, no order. The Cars debut album. God damn you! I had that on my list. Did you? All right. yes. I mean, this is why. Like, look. That is like a greatest hits album. Good Times Roll, My Best Friend's Girlfriend, Just What I Needed, 
Don't Just Stop, which is a great song. Uh, You're All I've Got Tonight, uh, Bye Bye Love, Moving in Stereo, all, all mixed up, an amazing song. And here's something, everyone remembers Rick Ocasek, but half those songs are sung by Benjamin Orr. That I did know. Right. He sang Drive, too. Well, he sang Drive. That was off of his, um, yeah. or that was off of a later uh, Cause album. But Just What I Needed, which is one of their biggest hits, that's Benjamin Orr singing, not Rick Ocasek. And did you know, did you ever hear the uh, cover version of You're All I Got Tonight by Smashing Pumpkins? No. Great version. Smashing Pumpkins put out a thing called The Airplane Flies High, which was like all, when they recorded uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, which was a double album with 36 records, they still had another 36 songs that didn't make the album. And they put it down to a box set of like all six, uh, six singles. They actually released the singles and then there was all a bunch of covers after that. And that was one of them. It's a fantastic version of it. The cause, the cause are great. Even their follow-up album, Candy O, is, it almost seems like it's an extension of this album. And, all, and the three albums I listed all came out in 78. Think about how, how great that year was for music. Oh, it really was. I mean, I didn't know that was two. But um, yeah, definitely a great year. Definitely a great year. I'm going to go a little different for my next one. Uh, and it's, to me, one of, it's actually one of my favorite albums. And I tell people that a lot, and they look at me like, they, like I have two heads. They know I'm like a real rock and metal guy. But Matchbox 20, Yourself or Someone Like You, is a perfectly written pop rock album. It has uh, 3AM, Push. Is Bent on that? No, Bent is two albums later. But uh, this first album, from, from song one to song 11, it's a perfectly written pop rock album. Rob Thomas, to me, is one of my favorite uh, music, one of my favorite songwriters to begin with. Wow. Um, but 3AM, you know, was a monster, monster hit. Push was their first single. And if you know the song, it says, I want to push you around. I never forget listening to a, uh, an interview with Rob Thomas. And this guy came up to me and was like, yeah, man, I push my girl around too, man. I show her who's boss. And he went into his pocket and gave him $30. And he goes, I'm giving you your money back for your ticket and do me a favor and never come to one of my shows ever again. <laughs> Because it wasn't around, it wasn't about physical violence. The guy didn't understand that, you know. But uh, definitely, a, if, if you haven't heard it, man, definitely check it out. I know it's not in your in your genre, kind of, but it is a solid, solid album. I mean, I'm okay with Matchbox. I, I don't think I would never go see them on their own. If they open to somebody, yeah. watch them. But yeah, I've seen them a couple of times. I saw them at Counting Crows last year, and then this year with the Wallflowers. I love the Wallflowers. Yeah, that's something that should have been on my list. It's not. That's a great yeah, one. Yeah, I wouldn't go. With, they have three good songs on that album. Oh, one headlights, though. One of my favorite songs. If you have, did you ever see the version with Bruce Springsteen doing it to the Emmys? Amazing version. Of course, it's, it's a great one. All right, um, I'll go with one that you probably have on your list. What's that? I'm gonna go Pearl Jam ten. God 90, damn you! Ninety one. Um, Alive, Even Flow, Jeremy, Black, and what's what's it, what's great about that is now we're get, we're into the '90s, and do you remember how great the video for Jeremy was? Oh, it was one video of the year. That's right, it did yeah. one video of the year. But I just that was again the first time you're hearing Pearl Jam, and if I remember right, they came up after, like I think uh, Nirvana had already hit. Right. Nirvana did the, well, Bleach came out in like 89, 90, but it was right. I mean, I'm literally like a month after Nevermind. 
Right. So now it's now you're hearing like the real Seattle sound. Sure. And Eddie Vedder and I remember the first the first song I heard from them was Jeremy and I remember and also remember just like sometimes driving and you just be blasting that CD and it would really get into your head like a song like Black because it was so moody. Did you ever hear Mother Love Bone? Yeah. Okay. So you know the story behind Mother Love Bone yeah. with Pearl Jam as well. Yeah. What was that story? First... Like? Uh, Hunger Strike. No, it's Temple of the Dog. Okay, Mother, right, right. Mother Love Bone was with Andrew Wood, who uh, was a singer who overdosed and wound up having Stone and Jeff from their Star Pearl Jam. Right, right. Listen to right, Apple, yeah. their, their, band, their album Apple. It's a, it's a masterpiece. They would, if, they were, if he didn't die, if he didn't, and I'm not saying Pearl Jam wouldn't have existed, but if he didn't die, music would have been very, very different because that band would have taken off, absolutely taken off. So what are you going to go with your, your next one? You want to stay in the 90s? Sure. Go bounce in the 90s? I'm going to go with Nine Inch Nails, Pretty Hate Machine. Great album. Great album. I remember being in high school listening to this when Head Like a Hole came out. I ran out. I bought the CD. It was nothing I ever heard was like this. It's got Head Like a Hole, Terrible Lie, Down in It, um, Something I Can Never Have, which is a brooding brooding song about not having a chick but just a killer killer album and like this guy still puts out music all the time just the other day he, he released two albums for nothing because he said people just need music and he put out when that album came out pretty hate machine that was like the start of the uh of the uh industrial sound and like they like, yeah. it was them like i think skinny puppy you know was an Another yeah, they, were, they were the big breakout. I mean, that music was, has been around for a long time. If you listen to like New Order, um, you know, I, I think New Order is more poppy than than um, than Nine Inch Nails. But one interesting thing about Nine Inch Nails was like the big trend center of music is always Bowie. But Nine Inch Nails had that whole sound influenced Bowie, where he made uh, an album that influenced you know influenced by Nine Inch Nails, and they and listen, together. That song, I'm Afraid of Americans, is one of my favorite songs. That's a great, great song. Right. That that was off that album. Ridiculous. You know what's a great Nine Inch Nails song? I've been playing it a lot. It really upsets my wife, too. You ever hear the song Wish? Oh, it's a great song. You got to see it live, too. Oh, that, I, I've been, you know, I go down these, these uh, what they call those rabbit holes of, you know, on YouTube, and I've been oh. watching every live version of that fucking song. Yeah, whenever I go into a rabbit hole on YouTube, it's usually pimple popping and earwax removal videos. So I'm a little different. I love earwax removal videos. Oh, it's a great thing. You like the wax back, don't you? Uh, listen, I don't yeah. want to get, listen, this is a, this is a family friendly podcast, Jeff. I'm not talking about what I'm masturbating to. Okay. But You're yes, I absolutely guy. do. You're a disturbing guy. <laughs> what do you got next? Um, let's see. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, when we're gonna go now? Okay, you know what? We're gonna stay in the '90s too. And Weezer, the Blue Album. God I'm damn a, you! I am a huge Weezer fan. Oh my! Fan. You are. Oh, absolutely. I saw Weezer tour on this album. It was them and Live together, and it was a, actually a pretty decent third band. I forgot where, and it was in this little this little club. And when you think about that, I mean that has the world has turned. Buddy Holly, which is a great song. Undone, uh, Say It Ain't So, In My Garage, uh, which I love that song, and Only in Dreams, which is another great song. And guess who produced that one? 
don't know. Rico Cassick from the cause. Didn't know that. Yeah. Did not know that. I got to tell you, the video for Buddy Holly is one of the greatest videos ever. Absolutely. It's right up there with that aha video. Oh, yeah. No question. I'm going to stay in the 90s. I'm going to blow your mind with this one because I know you forgot about this one. Rage Against the Machine. I have it on my subsequent list, my little list. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great. That's a great one. I mean, come on. Killing in the name of Bomb Track. Oh, I'm almost fell. I, you almost had an accident. That would have been hysterical. That would, yeah, that would have gone viral. God damn it, Julian. Uh, <laughs> fat guys don't fall easy. Remember, when fat guys fall, you see your whole life flashing in your eyes. Like just now, I saw Sister Maria from seventh grade. You have no idea what I just happened. I just saw. I'm going to give a shout out. One of the best falls I've ever seen on stage. Do you know Coleman Green? Oh my God, the outdoor video. Yes. 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 Wow. Oh, I've seen that. that. I had a bad fall on stage too once. Really, really bad. But actually, twice. Twice I had I had two bad falls. What's that? The feet go up in the air. Uh, the first one, uh, well, yeah, we'll get sidetracked. That's what, we, that's what we do anyway. The first one, I was working with Vicky Boteto at uh, Sarcasm in Cherry Hill, and they didn't have a stage. What they had was these little tiny, like, tables that had the legs that you pop out, and they zip-tied them all. Well, there was one that didn't zip-tie. So then I'm doing this bit. I'm literally doing this bit about how I lost 100 pounds, and people start clapping, and I take one step, and I fucking hear the, the table going through. And I literally, the table collapsed, and I went into the crowd. And everybody's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Now, I'm pretty limber for a big dude, so I jump up, literally jump up and jump on the stage and grab the mic and just go, guess I should lose another 100 pounds, huh? And the place <laughs> just lost it. And the second time, I was at the Borgata, and I was working with a, a comedian, Greg Morton. I don't know if you know who he is. Very funny guy. He's uh, he's an impressionist, but he does like all kinds of things. So like the next, the first night he goes, look, I do this gimmick at the end where I do a James Brown impersonation. Here's what I want you to do. Um, I come out, I'm going to drop the cape and run off, right? You grab the cape, put it back on me. And we do this three times. So Sunday night, we do it, no problem. I'm wearing my Converse. Second night, I have all family coming down. So I say, let me get a little more dressed up. I wear these boots that were like $400 boots that I got for free, but it had nothing underneath. There was like glass underneath. There was so, whatever. So. You got to buffer them. You got to. No, no. They're just, they're, they're dressed. They're like dressy boots, you know? So I go out, bring them back, go out, bring them back. Third time. I'm, now the last time I drag him off stage, um, I drag him off stage. And as I'm pulling him, he's a big dude. He's about six foot two, maybe two twenty, two thirty. I'm going backwards and I'm like, I'm going down. I felt my feet going and I went down. And from what I heard from my family, on the side of the Borgata is the curtain. All you saw is my fat little legs up in the air. And the next morning, Greg goes, God, that was amazing, man. And I was like, what? He goes, can we do that again tomorrow? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, when you fell, when you threw me down, you fell. I go, dude, fat guys never fall on purpose, ever. But all you saw was my fat little feet in the air. But yes, Rage Against the Machine, phenomenal album. Wow, we get sidetracked really easy. Well, I'm going to switch it up here. Go for I it. don't think you saw this. you're going to see this one coming from me. Okay. But um, I'm going to go 1983, She's So Unusual, Cindy Lauper. Son of a bitch. Really? You had that? Yep. Wow. Absolutely. I love that album. I can't believe it. I mean... You know, this, this thing about Cindy Lauper, I remember because 
it was around this time that I was working for in, in the record business, I was working for CBS. And I remember Cindy Lauper because she was part of a group called Blue Angel. Mm-hmm. And when Blue Angel, they had like a little bit of a buzz, you know, a little bit. And they were going to be signed and something happened with them where they broke up. And then Cindy winds up going back and doing like, like clubs, like kind of like the way we kind of would do like, like shitty little clubs, you know, um, like, the, like the Village Lantern type of stuff. She'd be right. doing that stuff. And then she winds up getting signed on her own. And with the help of some of the guys from, there was a band from Philly called The Hooters. And yeah, they were, the back, she, they were the backup band for her on the album. They were, the, they were her songwriters. Yeah. And they wrote songs like uh, Money Changes Everything, the hit Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Time After Time, She Bop, my favorite song off of it, All Through the Night, and she winds up winning the Best New Artist of that All year. Through the Night is a very underrated song from her. Love that song. It is a great, great song. Good choice, Jeff. You're hanging around me too much. Let me tell you, I'm rubbing off on you. <laughs> How do you forget the Ramones' first album? How do you not put that on a little list here? Uh, but how do you not put that on there? Because I, I like the Ramones. I, you know, I have some. I have a great piece of Ramones memorabilia uh, in my house. But uh, um, they're good. They're not. I always think they were a little overrated. It's simple. It's simple rock. The Ramones. I always say the Ramones Green Day. Yeah, the Ramones Green Day ACDC. Not reinventing the wheel, but write some catchy, catchy songs. What's off that first album? Oh my God. Um, Blitzkrieg Bop, I Want to Be Sedated. I mean, most of their hits. Most of their hits are on that first album. They talk about like fast songs. I don't think they have a song over three minutes. No, they don't at all. Absolutely not. I know what I like. They they had an album that was produced by uh, Phil Spector that I liked. Phil Spector is very underrated. Great hair too. He does have great hair. I'm growing my hair like his. I, I can tell. Yeah, by the time this whole thing is over, I'm going to have Phil Spector hair. <laughs> Who you got uh, next? I, I think if you're going to talk debut albums, you can't leave this one off. Uh, I don't think you like this band, but Boston. Uh, Boston 76, Tom Schultz, Brad Delp. Um, every single song rece- received airplay on that album. Every song. Well, what's the one song? Foreplay, right? Well, that that's their longest one, but the big hit off of that was uh, yeah. No, I don't I don't hate the band at all. You know, there's the, there's a little bit of that era of like the like the mid to late '70s classic rock that I'll probably buy a greatest hits album from, but I won't buy the actual. That's that's what you need. Yeah, I know. That's what I was that's what I was getting at. But that album truly is is everything they ever really ever did. You know what I mean? Like they had some other albums after that, but nothing beats that one. Nothing. I mean, they came out, the second one was Don't Look Back. You know, Don't Look Back was a good song. Then they came out with, and that took forever to come back out with. And then they came out with another one called Third Stage, which had a couple of uh, hits on it. Uh, uh, Turn the Engines and Amanda, which was probably their biggest hit off of that. But nothing ever came close to Boston. Like, because they had albums that followed up that were actually biggest sellers. Oh, uh, sure. Pearl Jam also. Um, but not, but Boston, that was it. 76 was probably there. You know, when they made their debut in New York City, the first place they ever played was Madison Square Garden. Wow. I didn't know that. That's how big they were. They played Giant Stadium. Wow. I didn't if know that. Watch, yeah, if you watch the video, for, um, don't look back off that second album. That's where it's recorded. 
That had to be a combo bill, though, right? I would imagine. That's a little bit. I'm still a little kid when that came out. Um, I but I remember. I always loved that song. I, that, for bass plays, that's a great bass line in hmm. Don't Look Back. But but Boston, I just saw them a couple of years ago for the first time, and you know, Brad Delp committed suicide, and the guy that got replaced him, great singer, no stage persona, but but sings fantastic. And my favorite song off that album has always been uh, Rock and Roll Band, and they, they open with it, and it's great. Should we just say, first of all, how suicide is the worst thing on, on the planet, number one. But if you're going to commit suicide, and you actually bring your, your, your fucking grill into your apartment and turn the gas on for you to knock yourself out, listen, it's pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty inventive. Let's just get it that way. It's pretty inventive. I mean, let me see. Should I give you an, an obvious one, or should I no. give you that's gonna that's gonna throw no, you? Go, go off the beaten path. I'm curious about that. Uh, great debut album. It was a, it was a, a unbelievably written album. Sadly, is only one album. Jeff Buckley, Grace. Ah, yeah, we talked about him at one time. I love yeah. Jeff Buckley. Oh, I think yeah, he would have yeah. been um, Jeff Buckley fan, huh? Uh, I I just see the talent and what would have happened. Um. I, you know, there's so many, he's an, an Americana songwriter, you know, uh, where I think of guys like John Prine or, uh, you know, Rodney Crowell, people like that. But uh, he would have, I think he would have been one of the biggest stars out there. He absolutely would have. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that gets released posthumously. There's always like a Jeff Buckley release on Record Store Day because he, these people are finding all the uh, live recordings that he did. He recorded almost every show that he did. So now, like, so you'll get like a really weird, like cover version of something or just a totally different arrangement of another song. But the guy would have been phenomenally big. Absolutely. You know, sadly, I never got into uh, John Prine or Jeff Buckley. Um, I know, I'm not a John Prine fan either. Um, I know a lot of people, uh, are, you know, praise him, obviously, he just passed away the other day. But um, it's something to look back. And this is, the, this is the great thing about times like this. It's like you can really... If there's something you always wanted to watch or something you always wanted to listen to, now's the time because we got time. So I might go into a little John Prine. You know, I might go watch The Wire now because I have free time on my hands. You know, sometimes you got you to gotta really uh, take these times as a blessing for certain things. You know, and that's going to be one of them. Now, next time, I'm going to talk about John Prine. Okay. Don't hold me to that. Uh, yeah, I won't hold you to that. Um, I'm a... I'm going to go put, it, put a, my second favorite band on here. The um, Sabbath's debut album in 1970. Yeah. Scratch that from my list. Yeah. I mean, think about the opening track. The first time, first of all, in, in that album, when they recorded that album, all in one day. Again, all in one day, 12 hours, and it, you're introduced to the Iomi sound. You know the story with Iomi. You know, yeah. while he's working, he cuts off his fingertips. Sure. And what he winds up doing is making his own string where he's able to play, and it creates a different sound. It's that it's that very low sound. Uh, and the first time you ever hear Sabbath on record, the opening song, Black Sabbath. How yeah. eerie is that? And oh, then an Ozzy, and then and then it goes, then it diversifies with with a harmonica uh, opening of The Wizard, right. and then NIB. You know, which that alone deserves to be put on this list. NIB is one of my favorites. If, you have, if I had to pick five Sabbath songs, NIB is without a doubt on that list. Yeah. Such a killer, killer song. 
And a great riff, right? Yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah, simple, simple and easy, but let me tell you, man, just off the charts. And 1970, 1970, holy shit. years, believe that yeah. shit? I'm gonna give you a weird one, it's gonna throw you off. Hootie and the Blowfish, Crack Rear View. Just saw them last summer. Yeah, I'm going to see Darius Rucker in August, too. And um, they open with my favorite song for that album, Hannah Jane. That's a great, they always open with Hannah Jane. Did they? I'm not, yeah. I wasn't a big fan of this. I, I, had, I was literally stuck in Connecticut with nothing to do, so I went to go see Hootie and the Blowfish and Band Naked Ladies. And Hootie was much, much better than I thought they were going to be. I, I call that frat rock. Where all the frat boys listen to. You listen to you just had Bare Naked Ladies, Hootie and the Blowfish, Third Eye Blind, uh, Dashboard Confessional, uh, OAR, bands like this. It's all like the frat, the frat scene goes into that. But Cracker Review is a solid album. Hold my hand goes down as one of the best pop songs of the last 25 years. Yeah, he still sounds great too. He's amazing. And he did a whole he did a whole changeover to, to the country sound, but still does the Hootie and Blowfish stuff live. I mean, he does probably three or four songs. It doesn't go too deep, but he's made a, he's made as big a career in country as he had with Hootie and the Blowfish. But now they're back together too. So now he's making double money. Yeah, I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have counted you on doing that one. That's weird. Yeah, I love that stuff. Well, I'll go I'll go out of genre, and I'll go the debut album of Run DMC. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice album. Uh, you do you you talked about Slayer before? And do you remember a producer named Rick Rubin? Sure. He produced that album. And you remember the song Rockbox? Of course. Yeah. Listen, Rick, that, Rick, Rubin, so Rick Rubin has done more for music than almost anybody who hasn't played an instrument. Yeah. As far as the recording, as far as oh, the he recording. records the Beastie Boys. He did the Beastie Boys. He did Slayer. He did Run DMC. He did the Johnny Cash American recordings, too. That six-album set. He's done so System of a Down, he did. He's I mean, he's countless. The ear that this guy has for music is a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence, you know? You want to stick with rap, I'll tell you one. Uh, N.W.A., Straight Outta Compton. That's a great album. Straight yeah. Outta Compton. Really brought out the gangster, the, the gangster rap genre, when you think about it. Um, and again, six rappers on one album. All sounding completely different. Of course, Dr. Dre was the one who really broke out musically. Ice Cube is, uh, Cube. you know, Cube is multi, multi-level, you know what I mean? As far as acting and, and performing and... Cube's debut, you know, his solo album I listened, I remember having, and that was a great solo album. I don't know if you ever yeah. heard it. Absolutely. A really good one, too. Yeah, the NWA is really, they're, they're really good. Very underrated, I think, still. I agree. Okay, let's go a little classic rock. Let's go a couple of those. And the first Leonard Skinner album, pronounced Leonard Skinner. And listen, if on your debut album you have Freebird, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's true. You also do, do you have the friend who uh, would always yell at the cover band, play some Skinner? Oh, uh, either that guy, or I remember we would go like to a wedding or someone's bar mitzvah, and they would, they would have a band, and so like, hey, can you play any Floyd? Yeah, I know, right? And then they would play like a little riff of something and you give them the thumbs up, like, yeah. That, that. I have the one friend who does that and he used to yell Slayer all the time, too. So he would go, play some Skinner, or play, he would go, Slayer. And one time they called him out on it. 
the, it was, the band was going through, uh, like right in between the songs, and he yells out Slayer, and the guitar player looks. And I see the drummer go, and they bust into Rain and Blood. Wow, they did the Rain of Blood. Yeah, they just thought, you know, they did the da na 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 and they just wow. did the whole chorus, and my friend was like, I shut we, him up. Last time I did it. Young, did, or, you know, did you get at the back end of going, like, to the clubs and seeing, like, like the cover bands, like, like um, White Lion, uh, no, White no. Tiger, and Flossie, and all those bands? No, the, the cover bands that we saw were, like, like, true cover bands, like the Nerds. Um, the band did you, band came after, did you like? Do you remember places like the Fountain Casino? No. And that's, that's a little bit before your time. You would have loved that era. Oh, I, I always say, if, if I had to pick what era to be alive in, I would be 21 years old in 1987. You would have loved it. That was that was it for me. Like I would I would be in LA. I would be dead by 22. I probably would have written a song for Guns N' Roses. I may have been in Pretty Boy Floyd for a little while. It, it was, that is the, the ultimate for me. That's the era I would have grown up in. Yeah, that, that was a uh, You know, 10, 10 years too, uh, too early for me. Yeah, I, I think I, we spoke about this before. I remember going out of my house on like a Tuesday night and going to see Twisted Sister over yeah. at the Rock Palace. Those were amazing times. I'm disappointed in you, though. You are. How could you not put Metallica Kill Em All? Your list because I don't think because I, I don't even have it on my little list. I don't think because I think they came out with much better stuff as it went, went along. I don't think yeah, it's, it's one of the great, it's one of the best yeah. debut albums. No, I kind of disagree on that one, really. Yeah, I like Metallica, but I, I, don't, I don't think they, they get better as they go along. But yeah, it's like, like two, three albums in, just like Maiden. When, uh, yeah, you, I mean, obviously, Puppets is their greatest album, you know, no one's ever going to deny that, but. When I went to uh, the city to do Don Jameson's show, when he, after he was on our show, I wound up doing his, uh, his show. Uh, Michael Alago was the guest alongside me. And Michael was the one who, who signed them to a lecture from Megaforce. And I mean, the stories he was actually saying was just, you know, it's all in his book now, which is why, you know, he, he's pushing the book. But I have a good friend of mine too, who's just posting pictures the other day, which blew me away. She's a little bit older than me. She's probably about your age, um, but we've been friends forever. And she's been in the metal scene for as, since she's 15 years old. She posted a picture the other day of her, James, Cliff, and Kirk just wow. hanging out after a show. Which is that a club and so on? She was friends with. She used to be. Uh, she used to date Billy Milano. Remember Billy Milano from? uh mod and sod no okay they were they were from the era. so sod was stormtroopers to death so basically it was billy milano and the rest of anthrax playing playing behind them but it's like kind of like this really hardcore punk but she was dating him for a while so she was always in the scene but those pictures with just hanging out with james with two beers in their hands just was, it blew me away it should be a good guest to get on this i would get her on i mean i remember helping her move one time when she was living in town here and she moved away and she had her bag of concert t-shirts, but some of them were so old, like it was Anthrax's first t-shirt, which was basically with a Sharpie. Wow. Like she had, I mean, just the stories are just unbelievable, but I still put Metallica on there because you can't, you can't have a great career without the first album. I agree. But I, I think that as albums went on, like, like I don't, I, I don't go back and listen to that. I, I, again, I like uh, Massive uh, Puppets. Um, uh, Ride the Lightning, I still think, is, is, is better. 
Um, to, to me, I don't know. It's, it's, it's them very raw, but you know what they're going to grow into. Absolutely. You know? Um, speak about a great debut album. Are you a fan of Oasis? Right here. Definitely maybe. That's right. Definitely maybe. <laughs> great debut album. And, you know, that's a band that, man, I wish they would have stayed together a little bit longer. Oh, yeah, man. I used to work at the arena, the, the Continental Arena, and they would give you uh, employee tickets for, like, on the cheap. I saw Oasis for $2 at the Continental Arena. Never yeah, was, And I was like 13th row, but they were, they were so good. Such, I mean, you want to talk about a band who sounds just like the album. That's them live. The, the closer I came, um, I was working something over at Randall's Island and Noel Gallagher. Uh, yeah. up and he did a whole bunch of uh, Oasis. The Flying Birds uh, side band. Yeah, just, like just Noel Gallagher. Oh, just him? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. I think an obvious one, the Jimi Hendrix experience. Are you experienced? Yeah, that's a good one. That's you a real have, good one. You have Purple Haze. You have... Watch that one, man. But, uh, yes. Yes? I'm not 100%. Well, if we ever do a cover version uh, show, that's probably on top of my list. Uh, cover, yeah. Cover versions of... Uh, of Jimmy songs sometimes are better than the original Jimmy song. Well, it's Stevie Ray doing that. Stevie Ray Voodoo Child. We talked about that live last two weeks ago. Um, yeah, I mean, again, people say, is he the greatest guitar player of all time? No, he's not. Was he the first great guitar player of all time? No, he's not. But he was very different from everybody. You don't think he's one of like, the, you don't think he's like maybe the first great? The first great? No, I don't think so. Who would you put before him? I, I mean, are you talking like technique, or are you talking just like? I'm talking about like me. You talk about a guy you go to, to the. I'll concert. put Chuck Berry ahead of him. The rock star, Jimmy Chuck Henry, Berry, fucking rock star. Who who came before him? Chuck Berry. Yeah, I guess Chuck Berry is the is the is the innovator, but but I, but I think Jimmy Hendrix takes it like to the next level. It's next, next level, level. Right. Yeah, 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 no, I agree with that. But like, listen, I mean, was he the beginning of rock and roll? Fuck, absolutely not. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go and say he's probably the first monster guitar player. Do you remember what broke out Jimi Hendrix was his performance at Woodstock? Yeah, the, the Star Spangled Banner. Right, and he, remember how he ends the show? Is he ends the show uh, smashing the guitar and lighting it on fire? Yeah. You know why he did that? Was it an homage to uh, Chuck Berry with the, with the piano being lit on fire? No, um, he did not close that show. The, the band right. that yeah, the band that closed the show was The Who, and there was he, Jimi Hendrix was promised that he would close, and The Who uh, kind of got a little whiny about it, and they weren't going to uh, go on unless they can close. Really? So, so Jimmy was like, "Fuck it." You know, we'll go on, and he ended the set like that, kind of like, now follow this. Now, okay, this is what I do. Now see if you can follow it. And if you remember, at the end of the Who's set, that's when Pete Townsend, the first time, really started to break the guitars and and, yeah. and, and throw out the drum kit was to try to top Hendrix. Do you know who Hendrix's first tour was in the United States with? Monkeys. The Monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. That's a what? What a weird lineup, huh? Could you pick two more different 
freaking artist to put on one show. That's like saying, hey, you know what? Here's Garth Brooks opening up for fucking System of a Down. It's That'd completely, be a great show. It'd be a great show for me, but it's just a, one of the weirdest lineups I ever saw. That's a weird one. I think you're up. I only have like two left because we have a lot of duplicates on mine. All right. Um, let's see. How about, do you like this band? Uh, the Pretenders? Love The Pretenders. Yeah. I, First I, album's a killer. Yeah, uh, Kid uh, was on that uh, Breath Pocket. <coughs> um, I don't know. They they were like on the bottom of my of my top fifteen twenty list here. So I didn't really kind of like. I looked. At, I, I was looking at that album. I was like, man, that I forgot how strong that really was. But that, uh, yeah, they had a lot of a uh, great song off off of that. And again, the introduction to the Pretenders, who was, was like. A, a great band. Yeah, they kind of fall short of being a rock and roll Hall of Fame band. They made, they're in the Hall of Fame. They're in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. They're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm almost positive. Good taste. We're going to pull out our Google machine here, Jeffrey. Yeah, we're going to the you get in, but the Pretenders are in. Let's see. Hall of Fame. Pretenders Hall of Fame. Get in. Uh, 2005. Wow, so they've been in for 15, 15 years. years. They've been in the Hall of Fame. I love the I love the Pretenders, man. I love the Pretenders. Chrissy Hine was great. She even had a little bit of a solo career too, which is, you know, wasn't super great. She had that song "I'll Stand By You." That yeah, song. she had a little bit, but uh, what's that song? Oh, oh man, you know, uh, on, let me let me look up for this song by them. They have a great song. Ah, uh, fuck. I'm going to... I don't know why I can't remember the song. I got to find it. You have Google on a flip phone? <laughs> Talk about the pretenders, would you? Uh, no, because I'm switching time. I'm switching gears. Uh, I'm going with the Sex Pistols. Never mind the bollocks. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, listen, you might not like them. <laughs> But they were one of the biggest punk bands of all time. Only put out one album as well, too. Yes, well, because they died. <laughs> well, that's a good reason to uh, not put out an album, right? Yes. Um, what else you got, Jeffrey? Okay. The, the song I was trying to remember was uh, the last song on the album, Mystery, Mystery Achievement. I love that song. Um, all right, I'm running out of albums. Do I have, actually, I got a couple more. Um, well, pick one. I only got one left. The Doors' first album. Good. I didn't put that on my list. Okay. You know, not a big fan of the Doors, but I mean, you know, you have "Light My Fire" on there, and it's also, hey man, it's the Doors. Uh, you also have um, uh, "Crystal Ship" on that album. Did you uh, watch the documentary "The Rainbow"? I'm not a big fan. The only thing I really saw on the Doors. Was no, no, like, no. It's not a Doors documentary. It's about the Rainbow Bar and Grill in, in L.A. So it's no. on Amazon Prime. So it's, it, it, the guy's been there since the 60s, and the Doors were the house band. And he talks about how he hurt the, the owner now, because I heard them play Light My Fire for two fucking years. And then the song comes <laughs> out on the radio. And he's like, you have got to be kidding me. It's a great doc, though. Check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. I hate that song. Yeah, I do, too. I'm not a huge fan. You know, um, maybe I hate it because, like, growing up, like, on... Uh, FM radio, that's all you ever heard. Oh, yeah. It's like Stairway to Heaven for me. It's like Nails on a Chalkboard. Love, still love Stairway to Heaven, though. Nah, it's Nails on a Chalkboard for me. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, my last one on the list, 
And even though I'm not a huge fan, and this is not my favorite album of theirs, is Led Zeppelin 1. Oh, dude. Holy shit. That's the last thing I have. Okay, it's the last thing I have. And that was what it, yeah. That's where we're ending with. One. I mean, Dave, I'm going to leave you. Communication breakdown. It's a, I mean, personally, I think Zeppelin 4 is their best album, but it's their most popular album, obviously. But uh, Zeppelin 1 was just earth-changing, when you think about it. It's a great album, yeah. Absolutely. You want to do one more? You want to wrap this no, up, Jeffrey? I want to wrap it up because that was my last last one. I can't. Well, how perfect was that? Yeah, meant to be. Telling you. Well, listen, this is going up on YouTube. Um, we don't know when we're getting back in the studio, so we're probably going to be doing this for a little while. Yeah. Um, so what we'll do is we'll we'll plug this. Um, if anybody wants to come on the show, we have the ability now to do the Zoom with uh, guests. So maybe we'll have a guest in for our next episode, and I'll, I'll work on that. Um, check out Who's Your Band on Facebook. Check it out on Instagram. Um, we're going to start pushing that hard now with the Instagram, putting little clips on there. Um, where are you going to be? I'm sorry? Where am I going to be? I'm going to be on my new couch uh, all weekend and uh, probably Monday too. So, uh, look, we're going to get through this. It's almost, we're, hitting the, we're hitting the top of the curve, I think. I think we're, uh, we're, we're hitting the home, the home stretch right now. So, we'll see. I can't wait till we get back in the studio and do this. But in the meantime, people, please listen to this. You know, uh, if you have any suggestions, anything, please write it in. You know, we'll, you know, we have a Facebook page up. We always answer it pretty quickly. Yep, absolutely. All right, guys, till next week. Ciao. Take care, Sean.